welcome to machine learning project arizonian azorian it was a project to recover a soviet submarine k129 k129 mysteriously sank to the bottom of the floor it was believed that it had nuclear missiles the way it was discovered was by U.S. technology, Navy technology, and it was 1,600 miles northwest of Hawaii. And it was one of the most complex, expensive, and secretive intelligence operations, costing about $800 million or $4 billion today. Why did they spend so much money? Because they could bring up the damaged part of the submarine by a um, robotic grap grapple. So the top part, which would have been the missile part of the submarine, could be brought up. So it had to be put in place by disguise, and then they used a series of um, technologies, cables, to bring the part up, which was about three miles down. And at one point, I believe they used balloons to help bring it to the surface. In addition to designing the recovery ship and the lifting cradle, they call it a cradle, the U.S. used concepts developed from the Global Marine that utilized this precision stability equipment to keep the ship uh, nearly stationary above the target. They use that same technology today for deep-sea drilling, that the using propellers are able to stay be stationary in one place <clears throat> and so they don't move. They work with scientists to develop methods for preserving paper that was underwater for years in hopes of being able to recover and read the submarine code books. These reasons this project was undertaking probably included the recovery of an intact R-21 nuclear missile and cryptological documents and equipment. Soviet Union was unable to locate K-129, but the U.S. knew where to look. Based on data recorded from four Air Force Technical Application Centers, AFTAC sites, and Sound Surveillance System, SOSUS, array, the U.S. identified an acoustic event on March 8th that likely originated from the explosion aboard the submarine. The U.S. zeroed in on the location to within five nautical miles. The submarine USS Halibut located the boat using the FISH, a towed 12-foot, two-ton collection of cameras, strobe lights, and sonar that was built to withstand extreme depths. The recovery operation in international waters about six years later used mining for Magnanese nodules as its cover. The company was owned by Howard Hughes, who secretly, backed by CIA, had paid for the construction of Hughes Glomar Explorer. That was the massive ship that was used to extract the uh, 
the missiles section of the submarine. You can I watched this originally on the History Channel, and you can kind of see some of the pictures if you go back and, and watch that episode. A mechanical failure in the grapple caused two-thirds of the recovery section to break off during the recovery. <clears throat> well, what happened? In 1968, Pacific Fleet uh, Surface Error Assess was observing conducting a surge deployment in the North Pacific Ocean that involves some unusual search operations. The activity was evaluated by the U.S. Office of Naval Intelligence as a possible reaction to the loss of Soviet submarine. Soviet surface ships search were centered on a location known to associate with Soviet Gulf II's class strategic ballistic missile, SSB, diesel submarine patrol routes. These submarines carried three nuclear missiles in extended sail, con, tower, and routinely deployed within missile range of the U.S. West Coast. This is a kind of the dangerous game they play of cat and mouse, where U.S. submarines track and follow Soviet submarines, and the Soviet submarines see how close they can get to the coast. After weeks of search, the Soviets were unable to locate the sunken boat and the Soviet Pacific Fleet operations gradually returned to normal. American SOS US hydrophone network in the northern Pacific was tasked with reviewing its recordings in hope of detecting an implosion or explosion relating to such a loss. Navy analyzed acoustic data for four AFTAC sites and the ADAC Alaska SOS US array locating the wreck of the submarine to within five miles. The site was hundreds of miles away from the Soviet naval search area. The naval facility, NAVAC, NAVFAC, Point Sur, south of Mon Monterey, California, was able to isolate a sonic signature on its low-frequency array recordings of an implosion event that had occurred on March 8, 1968. Using NAVFAC Point Sur data and the time of the event, NAVFAC ADAC and the U.S. West Coast NAVFAC were also able to isolate the acoustic event. With five SOS U.S. lines of bearings, Naval Intelligence was able to localize the site of the K-129 wreck in the vicinity of 40.1 north latitude, 179.9 east longitude, close to the international dateline. On July 1968, U.S. Navy initiated Operation Sand Dollar with the deployment of USS Halibut from Pacific Pearl Harbor to the wreck site. Sandollar's objective was to find and photograph K-129. In 1965, Halibut, which had been configured to use the deep submergence search equipment, was the only such specialty equipped submarine then in the U.S. inventory. 
Halibut located the wreck within three weeks of visual search using robotic remote-controlled cameras. It took almost five months of searching to find the wreck of the U.S. nuclear-powered submarine Scorpion in the Atlantic, also in 1968. Halibut reported to have spent the next several weeks taking up to 20,000 close-up photos of every aspect of the K-129 wreck a feat which Halbert received a special classified, classified present unit citation cited by Lyndon B. Johnson in 1968. In 1970, based on the photography, Defense Secretary Melvin Lard and Henry Kissinger, then uh, National Security Advisor, proposed a clandestine kind plan to recover the wreck so the U.S. could study Soviet nuclear missile technology. Proposal was accepted by President Nixon. <coughs> so if you look at it, um, it was pretty close to Pearl Harbor. Hughes Glomar, Glomar Explorer employed a large mechanical claw, which Lockheed officially titled Capture Vehicle, but it effectively called Clementine. This claw almost reminds me of a uh, toy where you can move along the X and Y and X and Z axis and then it descends and you press a button and it clamps. So that that was kind of the idea. You descend this uh, claw down into the ocean, and then you're watching with cameras. You position it over the part of the submarine that you want to extract, and then it closes around, clamps onto that, and then you can uh, hoist the debris back up to the surface. The challenge behind that is as you get closer to the surface the weight of the debris that you're carrying is going to get heavier and so they may not have accounted for that and that could have caused the malfunction so at some point they needed to add balloons to get the debris to the surface First time for everything. It's going to be, there's going to be failure. The capture vehicle was lowered and raised on a pipe string similar to those used on oil drilling rigs. Section by section, pairs of 30 foot steel pipes were strung together to lower the claw through a hole in the middle of the ship. The configuration was designed by Western Gear Corp of Everton, Washington. Upon a successful capture by the claw, the lift reversed the process. 60-foot, 80-meter pairs drawn up, removed one at a time. The salvage target object was thus to be drawn into the moon pool, the doors of which could be then closed to form a floor for the salvage section. This allowed for the entire salvage process to take underwater away from the view of other ships, aircraft, or spy satellites.
Hughes Glomar Explorer arrived at the recovery site July 4th and conducted the salvage operation for over a month. During that period, at least two Soviet Navy ships visited Hughes Glomar Explorer worksite, the ocean-going tugboat SB-10 and Soviet missile range instrument ship Kosma. It was found out after 1991 that the Soviets were tipped off about the operation and were, were aware the CIA was planning some kind of salvage operation, but the military command believed it impossible that they could perform such a task and disregarded further intelligence warnings. Later, Soviet Ambassador Antolio Dobrynin started sending urgent messages back to Soviet Navy warning that the operation was imminent. Soviet military engineering experts reevaluated their positions and claimed it was indeed possible to recover K-129. And ships in the area were ordered to report any unusual activity, although the lack of knowledge as to where K-129 was located impeded their ability to stop any salvage operation. So they they were had retrieved the portion of the K one twenty nine about two thirds from the ocean body when they had a malfunction. Former Lockheed and Hughes Global Marine employees were working on operation, having stated that several of the claws intended to grab the submarine fracture, possibly because they are manufacturing uh, from miraging steel, which is very strong, but not very docile compared to other kinds of steel. The recovered sections included two nuclear torpedoes, and thus Project Azorian was not a complete failure. So they did get to the torpedoes. Bodies of six crewmen were also recovered and given a memorial service with military honors buried at sea in a, in a metal casket because of radioactive concerns. Other crew members have reported uh, code books and other materials apparently interested. So what was actually disclosed? Um... Navy experts have told us that the sunken sub contained no real secrets and that the project, therefore, is a waste of taxpayer money. Why didn't they disclose it immediately? They said because that would have caused an international incident. It was in international waters where they were retrieving the debris. Uh, so not much was actually said. Um, in 1974, a video showing the 1974 memorial service for the six Soviet seamen whose body were recovered by Project Azorian was forwarded by the U.S. to Russia in the early 1990s. In 2010, um, CIA released an article from the fall of 1985 edition of CIA Internal Journal Studies and Intelligence following an application by research Matthew Aid on National Security Archive to declassify information under Freedom of Information.
the episode has been a major American accomplishment. Operation is a marvel technologically with maintaining secrecy. Um, it's kind of interesting. Eyewitness account. W. Craig Reed in 2010, the book Red November, Inside the Secret U.S.-Soviet Submarine Warfare, 2010, tells an inside account of Project Azorian provided by Joe Houston, senior engineer with designed lead-edge camera systems used by Hughes Glomar Explorer team to photograph K-129 on the ocean floor. The team needed pictures that offered precise measurements to design the grappling arm and other system used to bring the sunken submarine up from the bottom. Houston worked with the mysterious John Paragoski, who worked for CIA Deputy Carl E. Duckett, two leaders of Project Azorian. Duckett later worked with Houston at another company and intimated that CIA may recover much more from the K-129 then admitted to the public. Reed also details how the deep submergence towed sonar array technology used by submarine halibut to find K-129 was used for subsequent Operation Ivy Bell's mission to wiretap underwater Soviet communication cables. The raising of K-129 was produced by Michael White and released in 2009. Three principals who participated in the design of Hughes Glomar Explorer Heavy Lift System and Lockheed's capture vehicle CV or CLAW gave a on-camera interviews. These individuals also on board the ship during the mission and were intimately involved with the recovery operation. The intent was to recover the forward two-thirds, 138 feet of K-129, which was broken off from the rear section of the submarine and was designated target object. The capture vehicle successfully lifted the target object from the ocean floor. On the way up, a failure of part of the capture vehicle caused the loss of 100 feet, including the cell of the target object. In October 2010, a book on the film Project Azorian, a CIA raising of the K-129 by Norm Polmer and Michael White was published. Hmm.